When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, January 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 350, featuring Heavy.com NBA writer Sean Devaney, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Okay, everybody, inhale, exhale, I guess, right? We have reached the midpoint of the Celtics season, 27-14, and 14, tied for fourth in the East, percentage points ahead of the Pacers, trailing the Heat and Raptors in second and third, and then, of course, the Bucks are running away in first place. That race is over. Stop even thinking about that if you were. I, I think we can now silence all of the early season chatter of, oh, the Celtics might be better in Milwaukee after that big win. I, I think we know where everybody stands at this point for the most part. Now, overall, as we welcome you into another edition of Celtics Beat, no complaints on the record itself, but anyone who has watched this team the last few weeks knows there's a lot to complain about. Three games skid, losses in six of eight, and it's only going to get tougher, most notably tonight against the Lakers, but we'll get to that. Now, lately, losses to the Wizards, Spurs, Pistons, Suns, all mediocre at best, blew a 15-point lead to the Sixers, fell behind the Bucks by 27, only to rally and lose by five. Just a bunch of winnable games in the mix here, so I can understand why you're frustrated. I'm frustrated, too. Bit banged up lately as well. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, they've missed some time, and both, along with defensive-minded, would-be captain Marcus Smart, said that Boston just needs to learn from its losses. You know, we just have to, you know, be ready. All these losses that we... You know, going through are just you no know, lessons for us. Teams are looking to beat us, man. We've been saying it all year. We didn't come out with uh, the type of aggressiveness for the game that we needed, and we lost. We got to come in every game with the mindset, and we just got to really fully understand that, you know, we're a good team, but we're not a great team. We're not where we want to be, and we just can't turn that switch on at any given time. We tried it, and it obviously didn't work for us. So we have to come out the gates ready so we don't have to get ready. May not feel like it lately, but generally Caesar getting the job done against bad teams. 20-6 and six against sub-500 clubs, and uh, as we know, of course, pretty bad lately. We've highlighted that. But Brad Stevens, this fresh off of Saturday's loss to the Suns, he was asked what needs to improve defensively, and this is one of my favorite Brad quotes, actually. Just everything. Every single angle you take on a pick and roll, how much you get into the body, how much you chase, how when do you switch, how high are you as a big, when do you step back. How you guard a down screen? Do you do you trail it? Do you go under it? Do you meet him on the catch? What do you do? I mean, there's every, it's every there's 50 things to do on a possession. Right now, we're doing about 46 on our best ones, and we need to do 50. I love that quote just because it's a reminder of how basketball smart these guys are, and I'm not, and most of us are not. You know, we all have opinions, we all have hot takes, and we don't necessarily know all the inside of what is going on, especially in a given play let alone over the course of an entire game and long stretches of season and we're not behind closed doors and that just further complicates things I bet those film sessions with Brad are fascinating but beyond that speaking of not pretty Gordon Hayward's missed layup against the Suns with 36 seconds left Boston down by five a chance to cut that deficit to three really have a chance to I hate to even put it this way against a bad team but steal that victory again you know a a four-point loss without Kemba without Jalen so some built-in excuses there if you want to go down that path we don't have to but after the loss this is just a little stretch a little q a with reporters after the defeat hayward was pelted with questions about the miss obviously that last miss was a tough miss mm-hmm. are you still feeling a little hesitancy with your foot uh no i just missed it so i mean i just missed it were you caught like in between like figure out if you're going to dunk or lay it in or yeah i mean that was the i should have just went up and dunked it that was the that was the mistake was not dunking it but um certainly was caught 
kind of th- halfway thinking about it, you know. Um, should have just went up and dunked it. What was Marcus Smart saying to you in the moment? Where were you feeling at, at that time there? Well, you know, he's just like, move on. It's it's all good. Stay stay with us. Stay with us. Um, you know, but in, in the moment, it's it's hard to let that one go. That We needed that bucket for sure. So, um, you know, we still had a chance there, but certainly needed that one. Could that is that still part of the mental part of coming back? It has nothing to do with that. I missed the layup. So that's that's it. So that's that's it. I played that whole long stretch for this reason. Let's bring in good friend of the show, heavy.com NBA writer Sean Devaney. Sean, when will people stop asking Gordon Award if he's healthy? <laughs> Hasn't he shown us enough at this point that the leg is fine, his confidence is fine. Sometimes a crappy miss is just a crappy miss. Yeah, and uh, he is, certainly he's been back long enough. I mean, if you remember the beginning of the season when uh, when it looked like this guy might have a chance to uh, uh, to make an all star game all star game after the first uh, ten games or so. Uh, certainly, this is uh, this is a, a, a player who was a hundred percent back, and and uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure what he needs to do to uh, uh, to start ha- stop having that come up. I guess. When something so strange happens like that, you know, when a guy uh, with his experience level misses a, a wide open shot, like you're <laughs> just grasping for for any reason why something like that could happen, uh, and uh, and you know that 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 sort of fuels the speculation. But uh, but yeah, this guy's a hundred percent. You know, on the whole, because you bring up that early season sample size for Hayward, and I know there have been some nagging injuries since a little bit of missed time. On the whole, he's had a, a good half season. You know, he's he's missed nine games out of the 41. He's averaging 16 points, six rebounds, four assists, just rough numbers. Shooting career highs from the field and free throw line, by the way, at 51% and 88% respectively. But if you log on to Twitter, you spend time on Twitter just like I do. Fans want him traded yesterday. <laughs> Explain this to me. He doesn't fit, I, and that's 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 the thing. It's when they signed him, they they expected him to uh, to carry over what he'd done in Utah. You know, where he was a twenty point per game scorer uh, who could uh, you know shoot thirty eight, thirty nine percent from the three point line, uh, get six rebounds and five assists. You know, they 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 were signing what they thought was that kind of player. He comes in, he gets hurt. You see Jalen Brown uh, and, and and Tatum develop as quickly as they have, uh, and now you know what, what what do you do with Hayward? And, and I think that's that's what fuels this is is uh, is he, he just doesn't fit. You know the future is is Tatum and Brown. It's not Hayward. And so if you can get something for him, I think that's the uh, uh, the logic is if it's not necessarily that he's played poorly. It's just that um, he, he's not the future. And uh, and if you want to develop the future. Uh, uh, and this is a guy who's an asset, uh, then uh, th- th- then get something for him now that can pay off uh, uh, as you develop this team around Brown and, and, and Tatum. So, so that's the logic. It's a lot easier said than done, however. Yeah, let's go down this path a bit because there's a lot there that you just said. In particular, you know, when he arrived from Utah, when they signed him, and I realize fans wanted him to be statistically what he was that last year in Utah when he was an all-star. I personally, I don't know about you, I never expected him to be that guy. Now, I didn't expect him to get hurt. I expected the, you know, some of the raw stats like shooting percentage, things like that to carry over from what they were. But we're talking about a totally different team now. But with Kyrie Irving, with uh, Al Horford, with just the way he was going to fit into that mix, I never thought he was going to average 20 points here. I looked at him as, you know, 17, 18. He's a a good two-way player, arguably, again, when fully healthy and confident, the best two-way player on that entire team, just overall, not as good an overall player as Kyrie Irving, but the best two-way player on that team. And he was going to be asked to do a lot of the same things that he did in Utah. But, you know, statistically, he wasn't going to be asked to be that same guy. I think, again, to your point, fans thought he was going to be that guy or wanted him to be that guy. But that part didn't catch me off guard. So I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not in agreement with you in saying he's certainly not the future. I agree with that. But to say that he doesn't fit or can't have a fit on this team and and be a truly impactful guy, as we've seen at stretches over the course of this year, I don't know that I'm on board with you there. 
I, I think he needs the ball in his hands. And and you know once you once you bring in Kemba, you know after having Kyrie. Uh, you're not going to have the ball in his hands quite as much. So I think that there's that. Uh, and then positionally, it's 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 not ideal to have those three on the floor. Um, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job. You know, certainly they're all long. They're all good defensively. They can switch. Um, but, you know, it, you'd, you'd probably like a, a more pure shooting guard or, or you might be better off, say, with Marcus Smart in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, a guy who, who maybe doesn't need as many shots, who can be a bit of a combo guard. Um, you know, that, that's the thing, Adam. It's not so much that uh, uh, it, it doesn't drag him down as a player. It's not a knock on him as a player. Mm. It's just he's, he's a little repetitive with some of the other things that they have. Sure. Um, I think he'd be I, – I liked him better off the bench. I thought, uh, especially with the bench they have now, that that would be a good, uh, uh, a good way to use him. I think there's reluctance, naturally, to have a $30 million player as your sixth man, and I understand that. Uh, but just the way things have developed, again, you know, it, it's a good problem to have because it means that Tatum and Brown have, have, have come along and, and come farther uh, than you probably thought that they would. Uh, but, I, you know, just, just the fit, to me, hasn't quite been right. It's not quite what you want uh, with, uh, uh, with the way the rest of the team uh, has developed. And the other thing, too, that, that, that stands out, and the one thing that, uh, uh, that's different about his game uh, than it was in Utah is he doesn't attack the basket with this team. And, 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 you know, that's understandable because they have so many other guys who handle the ball and do that. Um, you can see it in the free throw numbers. He, he averaged about six free throws a game when he was in Utah. This year he's averaging, what is it, uh, 1.9. You know, so that's that's he's not going to the basket the way he used to. Obviously, when you start to think about and explore the trade deadline, which is coming up February 6th, you know, it's a, a few days after the Super Bowl. So he's president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge. He was asked about that trade chatter and what's going on a couple days ago on 98.5, the sports hub in Boston. Didn't say a whole lot. Not as active as there have been in other trade markets. It, it uh, It's still a little bit early, but um there doesn't seem to be a lot of activity. There's a little. There, there are some discussions going on, but not as, not as much as some years. So there have been rumors or speculation, or maybe it's just fan chatter, media chatter, what-ifs on social media and then Reddit and forums and wherever else about, you know, what can you get? What can you bring in? And we know the C's need more from the bench, be it a, a score or a big, and we can dive into that. And... But when you think about what they could acquire, you know, what potentially is out there, when people are talking about the Kevin Loves and the Andre Drummonds of the world, which, by the way, I don't think that's remotely realistic, but the only way to get a guy like that, a guy of that caliber, is obviously you got to have the money to swap, and that's where a Gordon Hayward comes into play. Most guys, you know, you're not you're not going to get those those marquee guys or guys that are paid like marquee guys by just dealing you know, someone with Marcus Smart's contract, which, by the way, I'm adamantly against. Marcus Smart's not going right. anywhere. But, you're, you know, you're right. talking about lower-tier guys that are on that roster, and all of a sudden you're cobbling together so many different players to try and make the money work, so it becomes a Hayward. So let's start big before we go small. If, in fact, yeah. Danny Ainge is considering trading Gordon Hayward, who's he looking at? Uh, yeah, he's not. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I think Gallinari from uh, from Oklahoma City would probably be uh, the, the best in terms of fit. Um, if you were going to move, uh, uh, if you're going to move Hayward, you know, to get more of a pure uh, three-point shooter, a guy at his size who can who can score the way he does. Uh, that's probably what they would be looking at. Uh, you know, Drummond, that's that's not happening, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, this, uh, to me, you're not trading Hayward no matter what because um, it sets a bad precedent. You know, he was such a big uh, free agent signing. Uh, there's no indication that he wants to be traded right now. Um, I think there's a chance, and, and, and this, is, this is the only way uh, that you'd see it, is, is if he agreed – to opt in to next year's deal at uh, I think it's 34 million bucks. Uh, if he agreed to opt in, 
then they could look for a trade for him this summer. They could look for a, a potential partner, uh, you know, and, and work with him. You know, I mean, because he, he was such a big signing for mm-hmm. him. Obviously, he's close to Brad. I think they'd want to sort of do right by him. Uh, and I don't think that trading him uh, uh, in the next couple of weeks is, is, is doing right by him. So uh, I think that's a possibility. Uh, but I don't think that uh, uh, that, uh, that that anything's going to happen with him in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, people do need to remember, for anyone who's forgotten, you know, there is that relationship with Brad he chose Brad he chose the Celtics over right. the comforts of Utah over going to Miami those were the three suitors there at the end that he took the meetings with and this was what he decided and I do think for a variety of reasons and this was a real question I thought early in the season but now after the injuries and the way he's performing and what the you know the stats are I think you know the the odds certainly unlike Al Horford last year favor Gordon Hayward opting in for next year be it here right. or you know, doing what you're doing or talking about and, and working something out with him where he goes elsewhere and opts in there. But uh, we took a, a, a got a bunch of questions on Twitter, um, and we'll work some of them in as we go. But this one specifically on Gordon Hayward from Jordan. What will the breaking point be with Gordon? Because it seems as if Danny and Brad are 1 million percent ride or die with this guy. I, I think it will be them sitting down with him in the off season and him saying, you know, I think I'd be better off somewhere else. I think it would have to come from him uh, or, you know, or, or through a conversation in which he agreed to that, in which he said, you know, hey, look, we could probably get something done with, uh, you know, say Portland, uh, you know, which would be a great fit for him uh, if the Celtics could get back, uh, you know, C.J. McCollum, uh, you know, something like that, uh, where, where you know, he was part of the process. Uh, but but they're not – you're right. They are ride or die with him. Uh, and, and part of it, like I say, is, is – uh, you know, they, they spent so long. I think a lot of people forget, Adam, how long we spent talking about why can't the Celtics get major free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they get Al Horford, they get Gordon Hayward. Uh, Hor- Al Horford leaves. I don't think they want to turn around and trade Hayward uh, and find themselves back in that situation, especially where, where players and some of the other agents are saying, geez, you know, I don't know. Uh, Al Horford left pretty quickly and, and, and they dumped Gordon Hayward. Uh, you know, I don't think they want to put themselves back in that situation. Uh, I think they want to, if, if if anything's going to happen with Hayward, it's going to come with his approval. Well, and while it was totally understandable and explainable and justified, if they care about this sort of thing, or more importantly, if players around the league care about this sort of thing, and agents as well, they did take a bit of a PR hit when they traded Isaiah Thomas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's you know, and, and, and I think among players that, that that there was a PR hit i think agents understood that they had to do that and and uh um and that you know that they they gave thomas a a chance that no other team really gave him in terms of his ability to show what he could do um so you know yeah i think among some players that that does linger uh and uh, and and yeah they don't want to they don't want to double down on that they don't want to let that uh, uh they don't want to let that be something uh that they become known for <laughs> you know you sign with the celtics and 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 who knows what they might do to you uh that's 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 something that you have to be conscious of um you, you know obviously you weigh it against uh, what's what's good for the team, but uh, but but yeah, I, I don't think that uh, pulling the trigger on a move for 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 Gordon Hayward when you're getting back, you know, a few months of Andre Drummond, uh, I don't think that's something that uh, that that counts as worth it. Well, as we said, C's need more from the Brent, uh, the bench. Brad Stevens has acknowledged as much as well. We're gonna ride our best five as we've talked about quite a bit, um, and then we just need everybody else to play a role around them. Um, but we need those five to be awfully good. We all know that best five includes Hayward, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. You know, and then you're just kind of sprinkling around them. So let's go with that. Let's get to some more of these Twitter questions because they need a score. They need a defensive big. Those are the focuses, whether realistic or not. I don't know. You can help tell me. This is from the Celtics blog account. Does the team's recent struggles increase the urgency for Ainge to make a move? Yeah, uh, you know, I think there was always some urgency to do something with the bench to get a score. I really think that they had hoped uh, that, that that Langford would be healthy uh, and uh, and would have developed into a guy who could give you 10 points a night off the bench. 
Uh, that obviously hasn't happened. Um, I think losing Robert Williams uh, has been tough as well. Uh, you know, when you talk about a defensive-minded big man, well, that's 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 the one. And and uh, uh, you know, his his hip injury seems to be a little uh, a little strange. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, we'll see uh, if he's able to come back uh, um, sometime next month. Uh, I think that's what they're counting on with him. Um, and, and other than that, you know. When you're looking at uh, at what you might be able to get for the bench in terms of scores, I think you're you know you, you got to think small. I don't think you're uh, uh, you know even even Bertans from from Washington that everybody talks about. I, I don't see the Wizards trading him. Um, you know I, I I think you really have to think smaller uh, in terms of uh, potential players who could fill could fill some of those roles. Let's go with that because from James, uh, he wants to know how about your potential trade targets to help with the bench scoring and which are the best fits. And before you answer, I'm going to throw out. I was texting with a buddy of mine who I sometimes mention on this show. He, uh, you know, diehard Celtics fan, but also likes to. He's a huge NBA fan, likes to really um, dive into all the advanced stats and all the salary cap situations, and you know, analyzing rosters. He's texting me like a madman when I'm trying to sleep last night. With all of these different, I've looked at all 30 rosters, and these are the these are the guys in his mind that you could potentially acquire that would come in and help this team for a relatively low price. There's Gerald Green, there's Isaiah Thomas, there's J.J. Barea, Alec Burks, Dwayne Bacon, Alonzo Trier, and then if you wanted to pay just a bit more, a Langston Galloway, or even a little bit more than a bit more, Bogdan Bogdanovich. After that... You know, there aren't really any options in his mind. And he also says, in his opinion, and hell, in Danny or Brad's opinions, how many of those guys, if any, would you actually take over what Brad Wanamaker gives you on both sides of the ball? So now that you've heard all that, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, if they could get Bogdanovich or even Bajelica from, from, from the Kings, uh, I would even consider giving up the uh, the Memphis pick, especially with as well as Memphis has played, uh, for for one of those guys because uh, you know they'll be restricted free agents. You'd have to pay them uh, and decide whether you want to do that. But uh, uh, but you know you could probably get them on a reasonable contract uh, if they're in a winning situation. Uh, either one of those guys, I would I would salivate at however the kings aren't moving either one of those guys you saw the moves that the kings made this weekend um they're still trying to make the playoffs you know they're they're still looking at that um you know so maybe that changes uh in the next two weeks here you know if if, if some reality settles over if they can't turn things around there uh, but yeah, you know those those guys would be high, high, high on my wish list. Uh, Alec Burks, I think, is a is a good name. You know, he makes about two million bucks. Um, you know, he's 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 been a scorer in the league. Uh, that's pretty much what he does. Um, you know, he's he's averaging I think 15 points for the Warriors, but that's mostly because. Somebody Who else is going to score for them? Yeah, it's right. But uh, but you know, but but he can do that. You know, he can come off the bench uh, and be a guy. Uh, not a great three point shooter, but uh, but you know, finds ways to get to get points. Uh, he is someone I would definitely be uh, uh, be interested in. Um, you know, Glenn Robinson too with the Warriors. I wonder if mm. they're they're possibly going to uh, consider moving him. Uh, you know, he had a terrible year in Detroit last year, but he's been pretty good for them this year. Good three and D guy. Um, you know, he, he's a, a bit like uh, like Semi, uh, except a much better offensive player. Um, but you know, can play some pretty good defense as well. I, I, I wonder if uh, if Golden State would consider moving him. Um, you know, another guy who who I think. Um, I, I like Bryn Forbes from uh, from the Spurs. Hmm. Uh, you know, terrible defensive player. So you gotta you gotta accept that. Uh, but he's a guy who uh, is not having a great year. So you can probably pluck him from them. Uh, but traditionally, he's been about a forty percent three point shooter uh, in his uh, in his career. Um, you know, average about ten eleven points. Uh, you know, that's the kind of guy who I, I think that, that that I'd like to see them uh, uh, pulling off their bench. Um, you know, a guy who's been in some in a variety of situations and uh, and, and it could probably thrive. So yeah, I mean, you know, none of these guys are going to knock your socks off, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of the level of guy that you're looking for who can come in and and give you ten points off that bench. That's really just what they need. One quick break from Shante. The big game is only two weeks away. You can follow all the action at BetOnline. You know, Chiefs, Niners. 
They are Super Bowl bound, and the Chiefs are favored by a point and a half in Miami. 130, minus 130 on the money line. Tons of points expected, too. There's an over-under of 53 and a half. Everyone knows there's more than just the spread and the over-under, though, or the money line, obviously. I mean, it's Super Bowl prop bet season. You can look at MVP odds. Patrick Mahomes, he's the favorite at uh, plus 110, I believe it is. How about Raheem Mostert, plus 800? Or get away from football. How long will Demi Lovato sing the anthem for? What color will the Gatorade bath be? How many commercials will have a dog in it? Which auto brand commercial will air first? All of this stuff is in play. You can wager on all of it. There are a zillion more. Before next kickoff in a couple weeks, head over to betonline.ag. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bring the playoffs home with our exclusive sportsbook partner, betonline.ag. You kind of answered this before, but just to you know, further underscore anything you would want to add from uh, Celtics 4460800, it <laughs> could fit a few more numbers in yeah. there. If the Celtics do make a move, is a big or a bench score more important? So never mind what's more realistic, which is more necessary? Uh, well, I mean, what, what are you going to do with another big? You know, I mean, you've got Cantor and Tice. If you get Williams back, uh, you know, you've got uh, feels uh, like a Barrier big if right and, now. Uh, uh, yeah, it is, it is. But you know, you got to keep them on the roster. So I mean, right. you're going to have you know six centers on the roster. You know, it. it I just don't know that you can do that. Um, you know, I, I, I think you need to get uh, uh, the bench scorer. Um, you know, another guy who could kind of be a little bit of both is uh, uh, not Marcus Morris, but his twin brother, Markeith, yeah. uh, who's uh, who, who'll be available. He makes about three million bucks. So so pretty easy to get him. Uh, not as good as Marcus, but but has that same edge that you liked about Marcus. Uh, and, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, if Marcus is making 19 millions and uh, 19 million bucks and, and Markeith is making three million Marquis a pretty good uh, hmm. bargain you know he's not 16 million dollars worse than the than mark that's for sure so uh you know he'd be somebody who i think uh, can give you a bench can give you a bench scorer and also um you know play that sort of power forward uh, combo position uh like uh, like marcus did last year p gaming underscore k asks will the celtics make a trade or do you think they'll wait till the buyout to help out the roster you know, I think that if they're going to do stuff, then they've got to make a trade because you look at the roster and uh, and and there's not a whole lot of room for for, for you know you'd have to cut uh, you'd have to get rid of somebody and uh, and I'm not sure that there's anybody they really want to get rid of. Right. So uh, I think it would have to come on the on, on the trade market uh, if they wind up doing something. You know, they've they've got these rookies and they don't want it they they don't want to just give up on any of them. Uh, I think they really like uh, uh, and want to see what uh, uh, what some of these guys can do. Uh, rather than uh, uh, you know signing a uh, you know a 34 year old who who might pitch in a little bit down the stretch, uh, I think they'd rather keep and develop their rookies. So um, if something's going to happen, it's going to be a trade. It's going to be a, a you know semi Ojale or somebody like that uh, who goes out. That's, that's that would be my guess. This one from uh, Wild underscore Goose Forty. Do you think a lineup change should happen before deciding on whether to make a move? And if so, what change? And I'll just add to that. You brought up before the idea of starting smart and putting Hayward on the bench when everybody's healthy. Is that worth a crack? I, I still think that's their best that, that that's their best uh, uh, way to go. That I, I love it when the ball is in Gordon's hands uh, and he can he, he can kind of run the show a little bit. You know, at least for for ten twelve minutes a night. You know, I I, I thought he was good with that last year. Um, I think he's more comfortable with that. I think he uh, when I say he has struggled with his fit, I think that's part of it. Is that um, you know he's he, he he has a hard time being the third or fourth fiddle, and uh, and sometimes that's what he's got to do. I think giving him a role off the bench where he's clearly, uh, you know, running the show, I think that that's, uh, uh, that that's probably their best, uh, uh, the, the best way to arrange things. Um, you know, again, they've been reluctant to do that. I understand why, but, uh, but, but I think that uh, uh, in terms of winning, in terms of, you know, trying to break out of uh, uh, these doldrums that they've been in the last couple of weeks, uh, I think that might be a good way to do it. Someone had asked me before, too, and I don't have the question in front of me, but to the to the effect of, you know, what do you think has contributed to these doldrums, as you mentioned? Is it just playing down to competition? Is it taking teams for granted? Is it the lack of a bench and having trouble making up for that? 
it would be easy to say all the above, but what do you think is is the biggest issue? Yeah, I mean, uh, January. You know, I mean, this happens every year, and it happens to a lot of teams. You know, I mean, look around in the uh, in the standings, and you see a lot of teams sort of uh, shuffling lately, and uh, and and that's common. You know, you get the injuries, uh, and uh, uh, they're thin. Uh, so the injuries, you know, that exposes the bench a little bit. I think that's something that you mentioned uh, on Twitter the other day, and that's that's absolutely right. That you know, uh, if you're not a deep team to begin with, you get a couple injuries, uh, especially at this time of year where guys are, you know, it's not the beginning of the season yet. Uh, you're not at the All Star break yet. These are the doldrums, and so I, I think that's what's happening with them. Uh, but I think probably playing down to the competition, and, and really, I, you know, that Detroit game was was the perfect example. They let Detroit dictate the pace of that game. They let them play free and easy. They did the same thing against Phoenix. Uh, you know, the Celtics want to play slow. Both of those games were played at a pretty high pace. Uh, and I think that's, a, you know, if you if you take all the factors, the injury, the time of year, uh, the thin bench, you, you add them all up, it winds up showing itself to me uh, in, in style of play. If they're playing slow and they're playing uh, pick and roll and they're, they're, they're doing things the way the Celtics have been doing when they win – then, then that's an indication that they're that they're dictating the pace when they're when they're letting teams dictate the pace to them. Uh, that's an indication that uh, uh, that the, the, that the Celtics aren't putting in that same level of effort. I'm springing this on you like I am any other question, but this is not a basic question. This is more of a rankings question. I feel like it it would have been a nice thing to let you actually think about it as opposed to having to answer it on the spot. But <laughs> nevertheless, you know that's your that's your you know mild out, I guess. If if uh, you know you have any trouble or anything like that, but give me knowing full well that nobody is fully untouchable, especially when Danny Ainge is you know the one pulling the strings. Give me your three or five most untouchable Celtics players or assets. Well, I mean, you know, obviously Jalen, you can't trade him basically because of uh, the extension. So he'd have to be number one, just, you know, NBA rules uh, uh, dictate that. Um, I would think Tatum would probably be number two on that list uh, just because, uh, you know, of, of, of his salary he makes less than eight million bucks. So when you're talking about matching up salaries, you're not really going to be able to, to get a, a player of his talent level. Uh, so he'd have to be number two. Um, I would say, you know, for me, it would probably even be Marcus Smart. Me too. I'd have him, yeah. I'd have him ahead, of, especially at 12 million bucks, you know, with a reasonable uh, contract for the next couple of years uh, for what he gives you. Um, you know, I'd, especially the way he, he fits in with Tatum and Brown, uh, I think you'd have to have him uh, number three. Uh, and then uh, and then probably Kemba four and, and, and Gordon Hayward five. Um, yeah, I, I would have to rank them that way. And Hayward's a guy you'd like to trade. So it just goes to show that everybody who falls under him is, you know, completely uh, available. Yeah, I mean, I, look, they don't want to trade, you know, Langford. I think they want to or Grant Williams. Uh, you know, they don't they don't want to give up on any of those guys. Sure. But if they got somebody, uh, uh, you know, or if if they were able to get a player and uh, and and a potential lottery pick or something, then right, see uh, you later. That's something they'd have to consider. Right, exactly. You bring up Smart, and uh, we won't talk too much about him because, I mean, it, we how could you justify? <laughs> you could you, we could spend hours talking about Marcus Smart. That wouldn't be enough. I I preach it all the time. The man should be captain of this team. And I, you know, Gordon Hayward brought up earlier what he did after that miss. Of course, it was Marcus Smart that ran over to him. Why wouldn't it be Marcus Smart? But it has not been all bad lately for this team. And of course, Smart Saturday against the Suns, it was. Historic. Give a listen from NBC Sports Boston. Smart for three. Got it! Marcus Smart! The new all-time record for most threes in the game by a Celtic. Marcus Smart. Here comes Smart. Pulls up for three. Yeah! the record I might as well put a little distance between myself and everybody else you know I'll trade all that in for a win especially with the way this team has been playing um you know I'd rather have the win than than the record I mean obviously it's a it's a great accomplishment um it just shows you know my hard work that I've been putting in is paying off but like I said I'd rather trade that in for the win 
I said this on Twitter after the game. You know, I think a lot of guys say, oh, I, you know, I would trade whatever the individual milestone for my team's regular season victory. We're not talking championships, just one regular season victory. And I think they're full of crap. When Marcus Smart says it, I actually believe it. I, I think he's just so team first, I do believe it. But for anyone that missed it, we now live in a universe where Marcus Smart has hit more three-pointers in a single game than any other player in Celtics history. It is not fair for the people that have said, but what, you know, putting him in the same sentence as Larry Bird and like that era, all, it doesn't it doesn't count. It does, I mean, it counts statistically, but it doesn't count because they didn't play the game that way. You know, Larry Bird took what, a few threes a game? I mean, he, right, it, right. It, was a, it was a totally different style of basketball. And even 10 years after Bird played, it was a different style of basketball to where we are at this point in 2020. So smart, 37 points. He made 11 three-pointers on 22 attempts. And for people that want to balk at the attempts because he had as many three-point attempts as Jason Tatum had points in that game, or, or uh, Hayward, actually. I think Tatum had 26 and Hayward had 22. But anyway, 11 out of 22, it's still 50%. Nobody's going to complain about that. He's at almost 36% of the year, which trails only Jalen, Kemba, and uh, and Jason at this point on the seas. What did you think of that performance, the barrage, just the 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 style of play? I mean, it was, it was James Harden-esque, what we watched from Marcus Smart <laughs> in that game. Yeah, I think I think if you're Brad, then that always already makes you a little bit nervous that 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 Marcus is going to start thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll take 23 pointers against the Lakers tonight. Right. <laughs> you know? So so because sometimes he, you know, when he gets uh, when he gets the the, the hot hand, he needs oh. a little bit of a heat check. Well, yeah, <laughs> so you had that you had that cheat the heat check that uh, that bound off the board so badly yeah. it was it was like right out of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Along came Polly. <laughs> Raindrops. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was right. awful. And, uh, yeah, but you know, I mean, I look, I, I uh, this guy, you know, I, I thought that I was watching that game, and I thought back to uh, 2014 when he was in Chicago for the pre-draft camp. I remember talking to him, uh, and at that time, um, you know, he talked about his upbringing in, in Dallas and and uh, growing up in the projects and and some of the things that he did, some of the things that he saw, some of the violence. Uh, and, and, and at the time, if you remember when he got drafted, there was the whole thing about, uh, whether his temper was too hot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he'd gone after a fan or got stands, yeah. a fan in the stands at, at Oklahoma State. Uh, so there's all this stuff around him. And to see where he is now, the way he has taken all that negative energy and channeled it into what he's become. Um, where, you know, yeah, he, he, he'll get into it with other players and, and, but he always knows where the line is now. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, Whatever the knock was, whatever the fear was about him in 2014, has not come to fruition. He has he he's found a way to to channel all that energy into uh, uh, into really good things. I think that's great to see. You know, he hasn't made another rap video though since he signed that new contract. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Actually. Yeah, we need another 52 million song or or uh, you know whatever it was called, 50 million, 52 million. I don't remember exactly, but it was relatively catchy. Instead, you got you know Antonio Brown coming up with rap songs while he's trying to find oh, his way Lord. back into the league. All right, so here I'm going to do something, Sean. Here that I've that I've never done on this show. Oh boy! If you are tired of Kyrie Irving talk. As I know so many of you are, and we did a lot of it with Mike Gorman last week, if you are tired of Kyrie Irving talk, turn it off. Stop the show. End it. We're not going to do any more Celtics or trade talk or anything like that. We are now, just for a few minutes, not a lot, for a few minutes we're going to do a little Kyrie. We're going to hear from Kyrie because some of the stuff that he has said in the last few days, just they have to be acknowledged. And if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to deal with it, turn the show off. I won't be mad at you. Tune in next show. That'd be great. Thanks, thanks to Sean. We're all done with him. Great. I mean, we're not. I'm not done with him, but you can be done with him. It's cool. Turn off the show. It's fine. If you're still with us, thank you. And well, thank you, Kyrie Irving, for for being you. Really. So, if anyone missed this, Irving is well. I don't know what it is now, but at the, at the time of this, five days ago, three games back from sitting out two months. Milking, in my opinion, a shoulder injury, but let's just say nursing, dealing with a shoulder injury for two months, three games back, a loss to the Sixers, his worst game 
of that three-game stretch, he had actually played pretty well the first two, but his worst game of the three-game stretch, maybe his worst game of the year, shoots 6 out of 21, a game-worst minus 29 rating in an 11-point loss where the next worst was minus 10. Every other player on his team significantly better than he was in that game. And what did he do immediately after that game? He went on a typical Kyrie diatribe about, well, we heard it from him in Boston. I think it was last year, early on in the year, when he was talking about the need for a for a 13- or 15-year veteran. And people started wondering, hey, they should re-sign Kendrick Perkins. It was, I think it was last year. Maybe it was the year before. It doesn't matter. He's done this before. He did it in Cleveland. He did it in Boston. And then after this Brooklyn loss, when he was the worst player on the floor, we need better players around me. It's transparent. It's just out there. You know, it's glaring in terms of the pieces that we need in order for us to be at that next level. And I'm going to continue to reiterate it. You know, we're going to do the best with the guys that we have within our locker room now. And, you know, we worry about all the other stuff in terms of moving pieces and everything else as an organization uh, down the line in summer. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we signed up for. We knew what we were coming into in the beginning of the season. Guys are going down left and right for us. You know, GT's out. DJ, um, you know, got hurt tonight. Um, you know, Wilson's just coming back. And then we have complimentary, uh, you know, young guys as well that have done a great job for the last three years. So collectively, I feel like we have great pieces. But obviously, it's pretty glaring that we need, you know, one more piece or two more pieces that will complement myself, KD, DJ, GT, Spence, Karrison. You know, we'll see how that evolves. You might think Kevin Durant would be the piece next year. But no, we need a piece around me and KD, a piece or two, in order to be good enough. And how about if you're a guy on that roster who's been busting his ass for the last couple months when Irving was out, who he didn't mention, by the way, that we need some more guys around me. And while Irving was out, the team went 500. It has been noticeably a better team without Irving than with Irving on the floor this season. Well under 500 when Kyrie has been available. And so he says all that. He's then asked, you know, I mean, how do you, what's your plan for the rest of the season? I won't play you that sound, but he basically said, we're just going to do our best. We're going to kind of ride it out, try and stay healthy. You know, not focused on winning the championship or even getting to the playoffs. It's like, let's just, you know, ride it out. We'll see what happens. So, of course, the next day, reporters did what they had to do and what they should have done, went right back to him and asked him about the criticism that he receives. And this self-righteous SOB had... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just listen. Probably a telltale sign of the career that I've had, um, you know, some of the moves that I made individually and then as well as coming to different environments and organizations. You know, at the end of the day, um, I always say it's an entertainment league. You know, we're, we're very drama-filled. We, you know, everything regurgitates on all these media uh, platforms, which is part of our society. I can't really do anything about it, um, you know, except really be, um, you know, a pillar in our locker room, be very communicative. And when I'm out there with the guys, just impact winning. You know, that's really what it comes down to. You know, it's not like I'm a asshole yelling at everybody in the freaking locker room all the time and you hear all these stories, you know. And at the end of the day, my name, it was given to me by my grandfather. I'm very grateful. But it's in a lot of people's mouths all the time, and it is what it is. I've, I've earned that respect in terms of how great I am as a player, and there's still more goals I want to accomplish in this league, and I can't do it without improving an organization and winning a championship, and that's what it comes down to. So I'm going to continue to push. I'm going to continue to demand greatness out of myself and demand greatness out of my teammates, and we go from there. If it's harsh as a leader or it's too much for anybody, you're not in our locker room. Stay the fuck out. It's as simple as that. The latest example, Sean, of Kyrie saying to the media, screw you, I don't know why you're asking me about my team and what goes on behind the doors the day after he calls out the team and what happens behind closed doors. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, Kyrie's, what, 27 years old. He's been in the league for eight years. Older, Um, 28, 29. uh, Is he 28, 29? Yeah. Uh, Well, there you go. I mean, he's... uh, he, he should know by now. I mean, this is not the first time. Um, I think that uh, that that people with the Nets cringe every time there's uh, you know a, a crowd of media around them, just like the Celtics did. Um, and it's funny, and I'll tell you a little story. Adam is is um, you know back at the start of the year, the Nets were were seriously considering start uh, signing uh, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and ultimately they decided they didn't want to do it because they thought there'd be a sideshow, uh, and, and that, uh, uh, and that, and that having Carmelo Anthony in there, um, you know, would, uh, would, would detract from the development of the rest of the team. Um, and, and, and so they wound up not signing him. And I remember talking to somebody in, in Carmelo's camp 
And he said, you know, it's, it's, they've got that so wrong um, because, you know, Carmelo, when he deals with the media, he tends to say the right things. You know, he, he's going to get a lot of attention for the things he says, but he doesn't say, you know, cuckoo out of left field things. And the more attention they can take off of Kyrie Irving, the more reporters that go and stand in front of Carmelo rather than Kyrie, the better it is for the Nets. That's what he said at the time. Uh, and I think that's played out. I think you've really seen, you know, Carmelo's been fine in in, uh, uh, in Portland, uh, and the Nets are sitting here dealing with this kind of stuff. So it's interesting that uh, uh, that that's the way it's, it's, it's played out, that, uh, um, you know, I, I – when you think about it, too, the other thing to think about is remember how Kevin Durant has been with the media the last couple of years, especially last yeah. year. Uh, he was just – I mean, I've never seen a guy take a nosedive with the way he treated people quite like Durant last year. I don't know what they're going to that, – that team is going to be something next year, uh, and it's not going to be pretty, uh, certainly for the media, and I don't know that they'll be good enough uh, to justify the way that they're going to treat uh, people in New York, and and that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for well, one when they had those signings, I was among you know I, I'm not going to say first, plenty of people probably felt this way, but I was certainly on the uh, you know of the mind. This is not going to work. I mean, they may be good, they may reach a conference finals, but this team is not going to reach a finals. It's not going to win a championship. It just won't. You know, they're you're you're way too combative, way too thin skinned, and now in the New York market, you know, like God forbid they played for the Knicks and and it was magnified that much more because right, obviously that's right. a marquee franchise versus playing for the Nets. And I think part of the reason and I know that Duran has taken some some heat on on uh, Twitter for this as well. Now that he's getting in the habit of responding to more of his critics on Twitter, be it in the media or Kendrick Perkins or whoever else, they know it. I mean, they were afraid. I uh, maybe afraid is too strong a word, but you know, picking the lesser of two evils, we're going to play for the Nets as opposed to playing for the Knicks because the criticism is going to be that much harsher if we're with New York, uh, you know, at at Madison Square Garden at the Mecca as opposed to with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think this thing, when everybody's healthy, it's going to come home to roost. I mean, this is this is a, a, a lost year for Irving. I mean, he is – don't be surprised if he ends up missing another 20, 30 games over the course of this year and just kind of mails it in until everybody's healthy next year. That would not surprise me in the least. Yeah, and, and, and it, it does feel like it's going to be a team that – that never lives up to uh, uh, the hype or the potential. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, Kyrie has struggled to stay healthy uh, in uh, in the last, I don't know, five years, going back to when he had the knee injury uh, in uh, uh, in, uh, in the finals there. And, uh, yeah, and and even before that, you know, at the beginning of his career, he was, he was hurt quite a bit. Of course, mm-hmm. he missed the, uh, most of his career at Duke. Um, so, I mean, you know, he's, he's probably never going to play more than, uh, you know, 65 games or so. And what's Durant going to be coming back at, at, at 31, 32 years old after Achilles, uh, surgery, you know, it's going to take him at least a year to get back to a hundred percent. And by then he's you know, going to be 33 years old. So, uh, yeah, I, this, this, I really think that this is going to be, uh, a tremendous, tremendous, uh, uh, black hole, uh, in the next couple of years, but, uh, it'll sure be entertaining to watch, uh, from afar. You think there's any buyer's remorse already on the part of the Nets, or do you think this is, you know, almost kind of the way people have talked about Danny Ainge trading for Kyrie Irving? You know, it was it was just something you didn't know how it was going to work out, obviously, and and there were all sorts of red flags, but you felt like you had to give it a shot and hope for the best. What obviously Irving was the guy they had to bring in 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 order to get Kevin Durant, but you know, big picture is is this something they're still feeling? I don't know about good about, but still feeling is worthwhile. Yeah, you know, I I I would doubt it. Um, you know, I do think that they were they they had tried so hard to get themselves in that position to have uh to have good young players who uh were on reasonable contracts that they could uh attack free agency uh in the way that uh, uh that they wanted to and then they got the two best guys they could and uh you know I, you can't blame them for that uh but at the same time you're going to have to live with it now and 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 you know the red flags were all over the place and so uh you know maybe maybe we'll be wrong and maybe these guys will come out and 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 
be terrific next year. Um, I'd be shocked if that happened. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I think certainly the way the day-to-day has gone, there's, there's a lot of buyer's remorse there, and there's a lot of questions about, man, what could we have done differently? Let's end this thing on a happier note. Reward the people who stuck around through the Kyrie talk because uh, the All-Star game is next month, and I probably won't chat with you on the show again before the All-Star game rolls around. And I, I'm just I'm remembering I, – I wish I could pull it up, but that's the beauty of having you. You can, you can recount it. You had tweeted out right around the All-Star game – I think it was last year uh, – a great story about a player – was it Gilbert Arenas? It, it was a Washington player checking into the hotel – and, it, and well, it every, was, every every one of my good stories is a Gilbert Arenas story. Yeah, it was that's it was a, it was a, well. Tell me I as many as you want because I loved it. <laughs> yeah, some of them I can't say on the air, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he checked into the All Star Hotel, and and what happens is uh, everybody checks in under under a false name. They all have uh, different names. Uh, Shaq's fake name used to be Idgaf. Benjamin and Idgaf was I D G A F. I don't give <laughs> yeah. a. I'll let you figure out <laughs> yeah. what the F stands for. Uh, so everybody checks in under false names. Uh, and so Gilbert, in his first All Star game, goes up and he's checking in. And the lady says, "Well, what, to, uh, what what name would you like to use?" And Gilbert Arena says, "What are you talking about?" And, and she says, "Well, don't you want to use an alias?" He says, "No." You put down Gilbert Arenas, and anybody who comes in here, if they're a female, then, and they say they want to go up to Gilbert Arenas' room, you tell them my room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the poor, the poor PR guy was there with him. It was just like sweat. <laughs> so, oh, it's uh, unbelievable. That was uh, first. First, uh, uh, it's too bad that we don't have a Gilbert Arenas in the league anymore. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh God, I I remember when you tweeted that, and I laughed so hard. I was like, yeah. I can't I can't wait to have him on the show at some point to ask about Gilbert Arenas. Any any other good uh, Gilbert Arenas stories that you can tell on the air? Along with probably yeah, won't live up to yeah, that. I, but. I, I, I interviewed him when he was a rookie. I went out to to, uh, to California and talked with him, uh, and I went to his condo and everything. Uh, and he rolled up in this truck. And it was just, I, I mean, it was absolutely, it had to be a, a $250,000 truck. I mean, it was just the way it was, it had like a dance floor in the back. You know, yeah, souped up as souped up so goes. I was like, I, and, you know, he's a second round pick. So I, I knew he was making about $300,000 at the time. I said, Gilbert, you know, this is, this is quite an expense, uh, uh, you know, for you uh, uh, as a second round pick. He says, oh, I didn't pay for that. The boosters in Arizona paid for that. Oh, I was like, God. you can't tell me that, man. Come on. I'm a reporter. You can't. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, don't write that. Don't write that. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was something, that's for sure. Oh, my God. You are something. Sean Devaney, Heavy.com, NBA writer. Always a joy. This has been, uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoy all these shows, but genuinely, this is one of my favorite in a little while here uh, with everything that we had a chance to cover. It's going to be a really interesting time over the next couple of weeks to see, see what this team does with the trade deadline or doesn't do has been the case in recent years and I I know we didn't talk about Celtics Lakers later on tonight in part because honestly whether they win or whether it's more the same and they lose no one game is going to solve any individual problem anyway Mm -hmm. so we'll see what happens and and you know who's available who's healthy who's not but it's going to be an interesting time coming up Sean thank you so much Adam thanks for having me Hope you stuck around after the Kyrie talk, if nothing else, just to get the Gilbert Arena stories, because that's uh, always a treat. All right, we've gone on long enough. Today's show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Thanks again to Sean. Uh, that was that was great. That was a lot of fun. Producer Evan Valenti, Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. Most of all, of course, you. We welcome your feedback. You can get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. I apologize if I've been tweeting too much about Kyrie lately, but honestly, there's still an interest level there. Even if it's just for me and and the few others that retweet and like and whatever else, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm sorry. Unfollow if you want. Hope you don't. I mean, we'll keep talking Celtics and stuff too, but if you want to, go ahead because this is, it's all part of the story. Subscribe to Celtics Beat. Search Celtics or Celtics Beat on iTunes. It'll pop right up or subscribe to the uh, CLNS Media YouTube page as well. All kinds of great content there. All right, Gino, love to see you at the Garden tonight. Don't expect it, but hopefully soon.